Before we start today's episode, we would like you to hear directly from the Bates Dance Festival director, Shoni Courier. It's obviously a really uncertain time right now, and in my opinion, and I'm going to say everything I say is in my opinion, I don't want to spread bad ideas, and I am in no way a medical professional. I'm an arts administrator. Um, But I do think we are hitting a fever pitch right now of concern, and I'm sitting alone in my house. I've been alone in my house for the last three days. Um, And our sincerest hope is for the Bates Dance Festival to happen this summer in its absolute full capacity. Uh, We will not make a decision otherwise for a while. Uh, Right now, we are going ahead business as usual. We are still accepting applications. Uh, We've received a lot this week, actually, so I think everybody out there is really hopeful as well. Um, Our scholarship deadline is April 1st. Uh, If we do have to make any changes to the festival, any scholarship we give this year will be honored in 2021. So uh, if you're on the fence about whether or not you should apply or you think maybe uh, it's not going to be worth it if things end up getting canceled through the summer, just please know uh, we are still encouraging folks to apply very much and your efforts this year will still be honored next year. Um you know, and we are just planning to go ahead, and it's a really stressful, weird, scary, scary time. Um, but I think the arts really bring us together and give us a space for shared community and and to sort of experience um, an emotional life together. And hopefully, in the summer, we'll be able to to experience a very different emotional life together than we're all experiencing now. So I really hope uh, to see everybody this summer. This episode features Shona Merck Robles. She received her classical training in some of the world's best schools, including the School of American Ballet, the Royal Ballet School of London, and Maurice Bajar's Mudra. She was a member of Bajar's famed ballet of the 20th century from 1974 to 1986 and also performed with Switzerland's Zurich Operas, Germany's Hamburg Ballet, and Italy's Ballet de Torino. Shona's advanced studies in spiral dynamics have become the major influence in her method of teaching classical ballet. Shona founded her own school in Zurich in 2009 and also teaches internationally in the US, Japan, Spain, and Germany. Shona will be teaching Spiral Dynamic in both the Young Dancers Workshop and the Professional Training Program, as well as Ballet in the Professional Training Program. This episode was recorded in 2011. She will begin by talking about her early training at the School of American Ballet. There I was um, bombarded, I would say, by this Russian training that was very extreme. and. Because of Balanchine's uh, linear and desire for lines in his work and speed, the the they had taken the Russian training and brought 
the whole center of gravity further over the ball of the foot so that, so that the weight was just on the ball of the foot and the heel was actually off the ground. And that feeling of the ball of the foot pushing the floor activated the muscles underneath and so the speed became very evident. But the line through the body was very distorted because of him wanting these high, high legs and the pulling of the legs to, 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 to make these extreme lines. And the English school, after, after several years there, I moved to England with my parents and went to the Royal Ballet School. And that was exactly the contrary. It was um, bringing the lines all together and, and, and respecting the body's limits and um, how can I say this? Uh, it, it was much more confining. It was more a circular, uh, circular feeling of technique in the sense of the arm positions being much more in front of the body and rounded and closer in the sense of, hmm, I'm trying to put it into words. Sorry, it's not easy. Uh, Balance sheets was all away from the body and out, and the English was more into the body. So rotation in, by balance sheet ended up being this over-rotated position, and the English was almost too tucked under and too inside to the center. I think the balance of the two of them, putting both of them together, I mean, I have to say, I was, a, I had a very plastic body as a kid. I could be formed into anything, and it was easy, and I never worked. I mean, to tell the truth, <laughs> I never, I never had the the feeling that I was working. I mean, I would do my classes and I would do them hard and I would sweat and all this, but I never felt like I was working. It was just easy on my body. I could easily do these things, so I never had to think what I was doing. I never had to try really hard to get my leg up. It just went up, you know? And, and I, I never had to think about how, how do you actually do that. It wasn't until I started teaching that I actually started thinking. Maybe that's a little stupid, but that's, you know, I wish I'd been able to have thought, gone through that process of thinking while I was dancing. I think I would have given me a more solid technique and would have made things a lot easier for myself in the long run. The fact that I had never gone through that process of, of reflecting upon and analyzing what I was doing made my, gave a certain impulse to my dancing that maybe a reflected dancer wouldn't have. Am I putting this right? A spontaneity? To my, to my dancing, that if I had taken the time to sit down and reflect about the whole thing, maybe wouldn't be there anymore. And I think Bejar loved that spontaneity and that impulse that I had to dance and profited from that and exploited it in our work choreographically together. So um, I don't know if, if, if that would have had a, an influence on on my career if I would have danced differently. I do think that he wouldn't have been as inspired by me as he was because I was 
more impulsive than most people were. I just loved the way he used the music and the mixture of musics together uh, because he mixed the um, Tchaikovsky symphonies together with some very electronic music at the same time and the dancers were gorgeous and it was a beautiful company and very powerful. And I went every day. I went, I just, I couldn't believe how beautiful it was. I couldn't stop thinking about it and I went every day to see this. Plus the the principal dancer of the time was the woman I'd had her poster on my wall my whole childhood, Suzanne Farrell. I just adored her. And so there she was all of a sudden in, in on stage so beautiful and I was enamored by the company and decided I would like to go and work. I would like to study with this man because he obviously knew a lot about dance and about theater and and, and he was fascinating me through this work. And I went backstage and I just happened to meet him in the elevator. And I asked him if he had a school and he said yes. And I said, well, how do you get into this school? And he said, well, we have an audition tomorrow. So I said, okay, can I come? And he said, sure. And there were like 500 people there and he took two of us. And, and that was, that's how I got in there. That's, and the school was a brilliant school. Absolutely brilliant. It was a complete, we had several different technique classes during the day of dance, and then we had music, and we had theater, and we had rhythms, and we had just everything together, and it was free. You only had to pay room and board. That's it. He got it sponsored by the government, and it was a very experimental thing, and we got to work together with him as students to, in creation, and oh, it was just fascinating. And I was learning so much from it. And then after a couple of years, two years in that school, it was a three-year school, but after two years, he asked me to join the company. And at the moment that I joined the company, Suzanne had decided to leave the company, and six months after I came in, she left, and as I had already gone through that school and had a similar body to hers, he just put me in her roles. So I was 18 and took over the roles of the principal dancer, just like that. And I was so naive, I thought that was normal. And it wasn't until many years later that I realized, you know, that, that it was definitely not a normal career path. I've been really lucky and fortunate my whole life. There were so many I loved to perform for different reasons. Um, there were some that, for example, his Rite of Spring, which was one of his masterpieces and classics, um, was a real challenge to, to, to dance because it did not need a lot of technique, but it needed a lot of strength and it needed a lot of, um, hmm, savage side, very, very primitive and, and interior that had to come out and forced me to come in contact with a side of myself that um, was deeper than I was aware of and was very cool to come into contact with that. And I love dancing bolero because it's a total challenge of being 18 minutes nonstop moving on top of a small table and 
the music that crescendos and the dance that crescendos with it, and just it's it was a fantastic feeling. Very difficult to dance, but I loved doing it. Um, I, there's so many of his ballets that I love doing, so many, that I, I really can't tell you what my favorite was, because each of them brought out something different in myself, and each of the things that he created on me. Um, were at a different time in my growth process as a, as a human being, and so they was fun to go back to them and revisit, oh, now I'm a lot, I'm a different person than I was when we created that, and I've learned something about life since I created that, and what can I add now from what I've learned to that role that was created on this person at that time of their life. So it was really interesting to work like that for me. I've never danced the, the traditional ballets. I would have loved to have danced Giselle, absolutely, because of this woman who goes from her craziness into this ethereal type of tragic dancer. <laughs> but I never, never had that possibility. The closest I came to that, I would say, was um, when Bejar did something called Leda and the Swan. And it was, well, he'd done it for Maya Plisitskaya, but I took it over after Maya wasn't there on tour with us anymore. And, and I started with The Dying Swan, and I had to dance The Dying Swan in a tutu. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was the closest I ever got to dancing the classics. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Well, you know, Bejar was a really interesting person, not just a choreographer, but he was an interesting person. He was curious. He was a very curious person. He loved to learn, and he loved to learn about new things, different cultures, different ways of, of life, and he was open to so much. And I think working together with a man like that, plus he was very interested in philosophy, theology, psychology, all of these things, working with someone like that and for so many years and in such a, an intimate um, relationship, it, it, I, I was influenced by his intelligence in that way and his, his um, quest for knowledge became my quest for knowledge. It, he made me start opening my eyes to a lot of things and, and, and the world around me. And I think to be a good teacher, you have to be very open-minded. You have to be clear about your ideas, about what you want from your teaching methods, but you, 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 you need to be open-minded to, to the people you have across from you. You have to be curious about each person and, and, and respect their paths and processes. And, and I think I got that. I think that's what has influenced influenced me the most in my dan in my teaching than anything else from my teach from my dancing career. The rest I learned on my own and through spiral dynamic by by learning you know by by studying on my own by by well I, you know when I got my master's also I had to go through the whole Vaganova method from beginning to end and all the forms and all that. And having to really learn a method from beginning to end was excellent, even though I'll never use it. <laughs> because it just made me understand how to 
um, mm, how to develop movement from from an, a beginning stage to a further stage, right, to an ending stage, the, the path there. And the spiral dynamic influence, the, the, the anatomical influence in my work um, has just totally formed my, my ideas of how to teach movement. These principles that are so, um, the, the, the base of spiral dynamic, they have become my base in, in teaching ballet as well because I really clearly feel that the technique of ballet, the, the origin of ballet, the people who started it were, and wrote it down and made it a technique were very enlightened people and had figured out a lot about how the body functions and the axis through the body, the three axes through the body and the importance of the circle and spiral being an energetic, um, a way of using energy uh, to create movement and to continue movement. Uh, the whole technique is built around that and when it's correctly performed or correctly done, that flow of energy can be used in any type of form. So it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be only in, in ballet. It can be used for any type of dance form, but it can also be used for, for walking down the street. <laughs> so I've, I, I started studying anatomy on my own. Plus my four-year-old son discovered his skeleton at the same time that I started teaching. And got really excited about how how he could make his skeleton eat or drink and I realized that the coordinative way of using his bones when he was uh, using his body when he was only thinking about his bones moving eat or drink and I realized that the coordinative way of using his bones when he was uh, using his body when he was only thinking about his bones moving became so smooth and graceful that that there was no stress to any of his movement. And so that made me start thinking about, ah, if I get dancers to start working, if I get these dancers to start thinking through their bones, they will understand the movement easier, the coordination will be easier for them. I swore to myself when I was dancing, after having many, many, many teachers who were frustrated ballet teachers, ballet dancers, that I would never teach, ever. I thought it was the most boring, frustrating job, and I thought most dance, most teachers were embittered dancers. And class for me as a professional was just a way to warm up my body so I could attack my rehearsals. It was nothing more than that. And that's the way it was taught to us as well, unfortunately. And it wasn't until, and I, when I was first asked to teach, I mean, when I stopped dancing, when I injured myself and stopped dancing, I had had it with the dance world and lots of egos and stuff. And I took a six year break with no dance at all, except salsa dancing with my husband. But the rest, I had no contact with the dance world at all. And it, 
six years later, someone asked me to teach a ballet class for a couple of months because they were looking for a teacher and they couldn't find anyone and they had to start their school in this school that I mentioned earlier. And I said first, no, I won't do it because I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to teach dance. But they couldn't find anyone and I needed some money. So I started just for that. And I was shocked that I really enjoyed it. The first class, I was like, wow, this is really interesting actually. How do I stand in a first position? How do I start a plie? And all of that was so new for me to be thinking about that it, um, it became very interesting for me because I realized I was learning a lot more. And the more I was learning, the more I rediscovered classical dance in a way that I had never thought of classical dance in that way before. The whole circular, the whole way, use of energy and and the beauty of it became it's so pure that that it it just moved me to tears actually <laughs> i fell in love with classical dance these are people coming from so many different places and backgrounds and desires of dance that i learned that there's a there's a lot out there that i'm not aware of and that i still have a lot to learn about um which is really exciting to me as a teacher and a, as a person because I think what makes teaching boring to people is when they repeat the same old stuff all the time and then it becomes rote and then they don't, they don't think about it anymore. But when you have students coming from all different places and backgrounds and, and reasons for why they want to dance, then it makes you have to explain things differently, makes you have to think differently, it makes you have to re-ask questions to yourself. And so you end up learning again. And uh, that's what makes everything interesting. I mean, I hope I'm going to keep learning until the day I die. That's, I mean, that's, that would be the best way to live life, is just to keep, keep learning the whole time. My dad is 92. And he's, every year, goes to a new course in the university down the road and learns something new. He's never tired of learning. He always wants to learn something new. And I'm like, well, Dad, I mean, you know, you're 92. Can you still make this trip every time? Well, it's worth, it's worth it, you know. I, I, I want to learn about this. I want to learn about that. And I totally admire that. I hope I'm going to be like that. Well, now that's an easy one to answer. Contemporary technique is much more common than classical dance. There are very, very few classical companies now. But classical ballet, if it's correctly taught, teaches the fundamentals for any type of dance. The idea of using three axes through the body can be when I say three axes through the body, I mean this, the vertical axis, the transversal axis, and the sagittal axis. The lining up of these three axes in a perpendicular way makes energy flow from inside of the body up and out. So the, the body is stable, but at the same time, it's, it's capable of movement at the same time. That can be applied to anything. 
any type of dance form. So for any contemporary dancer who is trying to learn about their body, I would say start with a form that is very clear, like ballet. Once you have these concepts clear in your body of movement patterns, then you can go into a contemporary dance, but you need to understand that first. Plus, ballet, the way it's designed and thought out is the use of the body in space, the organization of these three axes through the body in relationship to the space around makes the awareness of the body in space very clear. And I think anyone who has that through their body and understanding, visceral understanding of that, can be very aware of their body in space while they're dancing in contemporary dance. When I watch Kathleen's class, she uses these principles without really understanding anything about the ballet part of it. I'm sure she's had some ballet training, but I don't think she's reflected upon it in that way. But the way she approaches her contemporary class, she's so clear in her body in, that, in, her, in space and I'm, and I'm quite sure it's because she innately feels these three axes in relationship to the room. It's like a hockey player or a, foot, or a soccer player. I mean, I, I think ballet is very much like that in the sense, I mean, movement is like that, that there's a goal and you have to know where your body is in relationship to that goal at any time. You don't have time to stop look, wind up, and hit. You have to be feeling that while you're moving. You have to know where that goal is. So at any opportunity, you can get that puck right in there. And it's the same in dance for me. It's the understanding of where your front is or whatever your goal is, your relationship to it at any moment. And that you can use the energy to direct yourself to your goal. With children, for example, teaching them how to set goals for themselves but not be fixated on the goal but understand the process of getting to that goal and respecting that process and respecting the other people's process around them, working as a group but at the same time being very clear that it's their own work that they're doing, respecting their the process of others and um, uh, working a technique to be able to work a technique creatively so that they can develop a, a creative way of thinking about their own bodies and the limits or the non-limits of their body and the respect of that. This all helps them to become thinking adults and better people. I would like my students to definitely understand the way gravity falls through their body and uh, in, in initiates movement by its, the energy of it falling through the body initiates movement and the alignment of three axes through their body main thing. After that, 
understanding of rotation coming from the top of the leg and not from the foot. After that, understanding of arms being always in front of the body. Because I think all of that together makes the centered dancer. People learn different ways. And as a teacher, you have to be aware of that. And you have to know that there are some people that learn better through listening and hearing things. There are some people that learn better through actually seeing something moving. There are some that work better through me touching and giving impulse. There are some that work better with me leaving them alone. And, and I have to be aware of that as a teacher. I mean, being a teacher is also, you have to be extremely sensitive to energy and people's energy, which makes it very creative because it's not a cut dry thing. You don't come in with an idea, da, 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 da. Or if you do, you have to be flexible to be able to change that idea all the time. Anyway, and that makes it creative. That's another part of your question of what is interesting in, in teaching, you know, how you grow from it. It's that you, you keep that creative energy going through the sensitivity to other people's energy and needs. Um, I believe that, that movement starts from our interior to the exterior. And the classical ballet form, the methods are usually done in the contrary of the fixation of the exterior image. But I don't think that this ballet technique was created that way. I think the people that's, that actually discovered this technique and wrote it down and I'm one, I mean, when I've got some time in my life, I want to study to find out the influence of ballet, how it actually started, because I think that it would make sense to me that at the time of Marco Polo, of the, the Silk Route, that people coming down through the Silk Route became in contact with different forms of movement like Tai Chi or yoga or martial arts and brought these back to Europe and started speaking to them, to, to the court about what they had discovered. And maybe these ideas started to influence how the classical ballet was developed because when I dance and when, when I, what I feel is that it starts organically. It starts in the organs. Um, movement starts in our organs. As a baby, our first movements are because we are hungry or because we need air in our lungs or because we have to push out whatever we've eaten. So it's all organic and that starts developing muscles and those start moving the bones and so movement starts from there and it, I don't see why a dance technique would would be any different than that and it doesn't have to be because it's more of a 
of a um, sophisticated uh, form of dance, having a set vocabulary, etc., that it would make it a different of how I would approach it. But I think traditionally, the traditional ways of, of teaching ballet is fixated on the exterior image of the line, of the, 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 the foot, the whatever, and not enough on the interior image. And I felt in myself in dancing that when I dance organically, when I start from inside, I'm balanced. And so there is less strain in what I'm doing. So I am better to my body. It takes less effort. I work more efficiently. And my movement is usually more centered. So the technique is better. And I just that makes sense to me. I mean, I find it's really interesting because I see so many people who are trying to understand how to hold. And it's, it's like, that's fixated on this exterior. So it's, you know, how do I hold my arm here? It's really, a, but if you just think, what is actually holding this arm? That there are, you know, the artery to the, the blood artery that goes to your fourth finger and the, the feeling of the connection to the heart and the feeling of the connection holds this arm out there. <laughs> that, 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 that this energy is buoyant that I can create energy by doing this, a Tai Chi warm-up. I can create that energy and expand it to be my first position and expand it to be my second position. And there's no effort in my arms. They're held because I decided, but it's the energy that's holding them. I don't have to, to tense any, any, anything muscular for it. My whole body works that way. I can create energy by using the gravity, and that can make my leg lift. I don't have to think of, you know, I can just use that motion of gravity to make that happen. <laughs> and I can, and I've always felt that. It's always been, it's always been something in, interior with me. I mean, I remember as a kid really thinking that was normal, that everyone thought that. And then when I started going to School of American Ballet, realizing, they don't think this. <laughs> but, right, I mean, they were so fixated on the exterior. Something that I never will forget, a movement that I never will forget, is running as fast as possible from one end of a stone jetty to the end and back again over and over and over again, and going from one rock to another, and pushing myself from the rock to the other. And I knew those rocks like they were my best friends, and I could just, <laughs> and I could just, I knew, because I lived there, I mean, I grew up there, but I knew exactly how, how much effort I needed to push against that rock to jump to the next rock and back and back. And I would do this over and over again. I think that's my, plus the sound of the waves at the same time, I think that's my, best and earliest memory. <laughs> this is in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Back and forth. The law, my mom would say, get off the jetty, you're going to fall down and hurt yourself. I knew I'd never fall down because I knew exactly where those rocks were. I didn't even have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs>
This podcast was produced by the Bates Dance Festival. Editing was done by myself, Lindsay LaPointe. Music featured by Adam Crawley. If you would like to take class, see a performance, or attend the many special events we have planned this summer, visit BatesDanceFestival.org.